The Athletic. Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule WSL edition. Coming up on this show, a thriller at the Villa as Bristol City score a late, late equaliser to keep the relegation race spicy. Arsenal and Manchester United continue to go toe-to-toe in the fight for the final Champions League place. After the draw with Chelsea, Man City's Demi Stokes joins us to talk about the title race. And it's ta to ta Doesn't quite work, does it? But anyway, the long goodbye to a WSL legend as midfielder Farrah Williams announces her retirement at the end of the season. Welcome along, I'm Lindsay Hooper. And I'm Kate Borsay, and joining us today is the editor of She Kicks magazine, Jen O'Neill. Hi Jen, welcome back. Hello, thank you for having me. Just a couple of weekends left in the WSL now, you'll be typing away. Uh, Think back to the start of the season as well, and uh, we wondered, didn't we, at one point, if football was even going to be possible, but here we are two games away from the end. Yeah, it's been an incredible effort by so many people, hasn't it? That's the FA's uh, head of performance, David Faulkner's masterminded that and then the input and buy-in of lots of players, staff and volunteers. It's been an amazing achievement, really. It's also been a great season as well, Jen, isn't it, in terms of drama at the top and the bottom of the table, fight over Champions League places. We couldn't have asked for a lot more, really. Yeah, it's sort of rivaling the 2013 and 2014 seasons in terms of who's going to win it. I mean, maybe last season would have turned out like that, we don't know, but it's, mm. there's still so many things to be decided. Including awards as well. It's that time of the year where people are making their votes. Um, You're on the Football Writers Award Committee and they distribute awards for the best player of the year. How has that been going? Yeah, so I collate votes from an expert panel of people who cover the women's game. And uh, it's been interesting. It's not as tight as it has been in previous years. Last two seasons, one player won it by one vote. It's not as tight this year, so... Everybody can have a think about who they think might be the shoe in. It's well well deserved. Oh, giving nothing away. Yes. And when's that due to be announced, Jen? That'll be in early May. Okay, so early May we'll we'll hear about that. I will also get your opinions a bit later on on manager of the season. We've started to see some of those nominees um, on social media this week and it'll be interesting to get your thoughts. But we will start with the news of some late drama in the battle to avoid the drop. You're listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition from Muddy Dean's Media and The Athletic. Bristol City have a free kick and Master Antonio flicks it into the danger area. It's headed on and it's into the back of the net. Bristol City have an equaliser. All right, let's get things kicked off then at the foot of the WSL, where bottom side Bristol City came from 2-0 down to pick up a crucial point at relegation rivals Aston Villa. Villa went ahead in the third minute through an unfortunate own goal from Megan Sargent. Natalie Hay doubled their lead with a header before half-time. But a goal from Faye Bryson in the 74th minute gave the Robins hope and Ella Mastrantonio equalised in the fifth minute of injury time to make things very interesting at the foot of the table. City still occupy the relegation spot but they are level on points with Villa, just two behind Birmingham and West Ham, and both of those have played a game more. Um, I guess we start with the fact that Bristol City will be feeling, Jen, like this is three points, the way they celebrated at the end. Yeah, Matt Beard said at the end, didn't he, that given the situation they were in at half-time then, he said, if you'd offered me a point then I would have taken it. So yeah, they they can take a huge positive from that, the, the fight back the resilience and the heart to, to battle to 
scored that late on and it, it was scrappy who cares really I mean they were unfortunate with that sergeant own goal she didn't know anything about it three minutes in and then to go another goal down they steadied themselves and it's still all to play for they've got to believe I mean they've got difficult fixtures left but they've got to believe that something's going to happen and go their way Matt Beard is someone that you'd want on your side on these occasions but Villa should have done better really here much better when you think about level of resource Jen Iwabuchi as well you you know she found plenty of space it's just that they gave away perhaps sloppy goals or they didn't didn't hang on to their lead sufficiently enough but you know I think my complaint with this one would be would be Villa missing out on a valuable three points yeah they did have the chances didn't they but I I only saw the highlights of this so you you go from that so it's maybe slightly unfair to judge on, on City's performance but it looked like Villa had the upper hand for the most part and you expect Marcus Bignett to be frustrated and he, he did have a hint of that if you could hear what he was saying because he was so hoarse at the end of the game because he <laughs> spends his whole time screaming and barking instructions um, he has to be positive as well though because they've got a big game coming up against their local rivals it's it's difficult because Villa are, are quite Jacqueline and Hyde they, they went to West Ham last week, in the midweek, and they disrupted. I mean, it was like an MMA fight compared to the, the, the Man City-Chelsea game we saw the day after. They were so physical, and, and they went there to, to keep it tight. And then against City, you know, they played nice football. As you say, with Bucci, they, they've got players who can put their foot on the ball, and they can play nice football when they want to. So the game against Birmingham, is, it's really anybody's, anybody's game up for grabs. And there was an opportunity for Chloe Arthur. What a a shot that would have ended up being if it hadn't hit the post from 35 yards out. No one closing her down. So she clearly thought, why not? I'm going to have a go at this. And it hit the bar. It could have made it 3-0 at that point in the game. It could have destroyed Bristol's confidence. And um, don't think as well, it went unnoticed um, when the equalising goal went in for Bristol City. Did you see Laura Rafferty uh, celebrating the equaliser and then (laughs) face-planted into the floor? Um, Natalie Haig, I think it might have. Um, taking a little slight sidestep in frustration <laughs> and, and you can see Rafferty's reaction she turns around and has a look and she's looking at the ref but nobody cares because they've got the goal <laughs> they've got the goal it was all part of it if you do watch the highlights back that does uh, that does make you smile a, a wee bit when you see that but they're just euphoric aren't they and you do wonder about the timing of that goal what it does for the next match Jen because when you, when you manage to score so late on often you can take that boost into the next game yeah like I say I think you you take that heart and you take the positives from it and it's almost like I'm wheeling out some of the the, the usual lines you hear from managers but it's true and and they have a, a game coming up quickly so Bignett couldn't dwell on the fact that it was two points lost he has to get the players focused for the match against Birmingham because that is a winnable game and it's massive All right we're staying at the bottom and in the Midlands with the side who face Villa next Birmingham 1, Reading 1. Birmingham missed the chance to pull clear of relegation trouble after they were held at home by Reading. Ruby Mace gave the Blues an early lead, but Reading got a deserved equaliser through Rachel Rowe in the second half. Uh, Carla Ward afterwards, she said her Birmingham players are relaxed ahead of the important derby against Villa tomorrow. She said, let the pressure be on them. We'll just go out and enjoy it. But is there any pressure on Birmingham, Jen? Yeah, I think so. Because they loved that game. They they won in the 
Second City derby in November last year. I think that was the last game they won, by the way. Mm. And it's noticeable that their performances and their results have dropped off slightly without Rachel Corsi. She was so huge for them in the back line. But yeah, it's a, it's a big game. And I hear or was hearing or seeing mention of the fact they only had 10 players in training even today. 11. 11, sorry, yeah. With um, Harriet Scott was at work, people taking their exams, Ruby's at school... But they've done this from the start, haven't they? It's sort of a ragtag bunch of players who believe in each other and work together and their manager corrals them and they still seem to survive. Carla Ward did say after this draw with Reading that she was happy with the result. Um, I wasn't surprised she was happy because Danielle Carter, there was a big chance for her to win it for Reading. So to go away with a point probably served Birmingham well in the end. Yeah, that that was a massive miss from Danielle Carter, a player of her calibre. You would expect to bury it and she put it straight into Hannah Hampton's hands. Uh, Blues had a couple of chances as well. They, they, They might have been more than one ahead. It's yeah, it's it's just it's just a, a slog for them. But Carla knows the games where they need to get points, and and she was right to be content with what they got out of this game because um, Reading can blow hot and cold, and 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 when they're on their game, we know that they're very very good. I've loved Rachel Rose finish. She'd already had a barnstormer of a of a strike earlier on, and then imagine if you'd got in the way of that finish. If you'd been a defender, you would have ended up over the line with the ball. <laughs> would have knocked you right off your feet. What a hit that was. So drop points there for Reading, Jen, for you, or um, a worthy draw for Birmingham. Where do you sit on this one? I'm looking at it from Birmingham's point of view. I mean, Reading draw all games, don't they? Yeah, I know. It has it has blighted them, hasn't it? <laughs> it's consistency of the fashion. <laughs> it's just frustrating for them. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, let's move on to uh, one big announcement that happened earlier this week. Some news from the Reading camp. Their midfielder and England's record appearance holder, Farrah Williams, has announced that she'll retire at the end of the season. She won 172 caps for her country and played at four European Championships, three World Cups and for Team GB at London 2012. It's quite the career. She was on the show with us last week. Um, Williams has won two Women's Super League titles with Liverpool. She won the FA Cup twice with Everton and Arsenal. In her 20-year career, she played for Charlton, Chelsea, Everton, Liverpool and Arsenal. She said, it's the right time. You know when your body is done. Um, That was something that she put out on social media, including more of a statement, which you can read, where she mentioned Tony Layton, which was a really nice touch as well. Um, Her recent playing time has been limited by a kidney condition, what was your reaction, Jen? Well, I always find it quite sad when players you sort of followed the whole career of um, hang up their boots or announce that they're going to. Firstly, to, to be selfish, it makes you feel a lot older. And, and secondly, kind of sad that they're not going to be part of the game anymore. But I'm also thankful that I've been fortunate enough to, to see her career from start to finish and what a career it's been. And I'm sure it it's not the end of it. I mean, everybody that's ever worked with her says, she, A, she won't show up, and B, what an amazing coach she's going to be because she's such a scholar of the game. Yeah, she's already working on that. As, yeah, yeah well, a, a FA skills coach she's been in the past yeah. and inspired lots of young players already. 
Now, take this as a compliment, Jen. There's not many of our guests that we can ask to go back 20 years and tell us about the young and emerging Farrell Williams. Just take us through a bit of her journey, if you don't mind. Well, it was, what, 2002, she made her debut for um, England against Portugal. I think I missed that game. I might have sent somebody else to report on it. So I, I kind of feel a little bit hard done by that I wasn't <laughs> there for the beginning of that incredible era, 172 caps. But she, you know, she came through at Chelsea, and then and she's played for clubs that haven't always been, you know, the the main side at, at the time. Yeah. You have winners, and that and you need them because that's what the game is about. But I always admire players who are part of the upsetters. So she was part of a, a wonderful Charlton team as a youngster, and and they were trying to chase Arsenal. And then she did the same with Everton, and that that's hugely hugely admirable. To, to, to be the, the player, part of a team who's trying to knock the best off the top. That, have a, that has a huge place in my heart. Yeah, and I, I actually think she came across as more comfortable with that. You know, her time at Arsenal didn't sparkle as much as I, maybe I thought it might. Whereas her time with Everton, Liverpool, like you say, early on with, with Charlton, probably the the highlights of her domestic career. And internationally, I mean, wow, what what a service she's she's put in for England. And penal- you know, the penalties she scored, so crucial. And she scored one of the best goals in WSL history. When Liverpool won the title... They'd, lo- they'd um, conceded a goal to Birmingham and she scored from the kickoff, pretty much from the halfway line. If you haven't seen it, you've got to look it out. It's amazing. <laughs> it's just, I think Remy Allen tweeted as a player who um, could make, like, break my heart because she was part of the Birmingham team, but also make me buzz at the same time. What a goal. When you were covering WSL early on, Linz, um, I'm sure you interviewed Farah quite a few times for the broadcast items that you were doing. Let's talk about her personality. Um, has she changed? Has she always been the same? Oh, she's always been the same. I think Jen would agree. Like what you see is what you get with Farah. The most time that I spent with her was when she was at Liverpool because I used to cover for the in-house Liverpool TV channel. Um, and I actually started up the women's show that they they started on Liverpool TV. Um, so I used to be down covering their training sessions. I'd been in the gym and seen how hard she was working. She was just one of those that led by example as well. Yeah. Yeah. Very much like Kate. I thought her and Casey Stoney were quite akin, actually, as players. Both great with their, their outlook of the game. You could tell they were both going to go into coaching. She spoke to us only last week, didn't she, about coaching the under-14s. And you could tell the passion as she was talking about that, I thought, in, in the show last week. She doesn't hold back either. Um, I remember hearing from Claire Rafferty, and I'm sure she won't mind me sharing this, that when her and Farah were doing the TalkSport commentary for the World Cup in 2019, she'd often have to kick Farah underneath the desk like shut up you're actually laying in a bit a bit kind of too hard you're being too critical and Farah's one of those great personalities she doesn't matter whether there's a camera or a microphone in front of her she will just tell it like it is brutal honesty yeah I don't think she has a filter I think that's what you're that's what you're looking for she doesn't have the filter (laughs) but that is magic it's magic for tv it's magic to play alongside I imagine when you've got someone that just tells you as it is she she's also said that as she's got older she realised that she could be the one that stepped back a little bit. I think she probably did go in for a footballing term, two-footed quite often, um, even with her comments. But I, I think she's learned that that hasn't been necessary as she's got older. So, she, yeah, she. I think it's just the, the leading by example. She's been fantastic from that point of view. Well, 
you're a writer, Jen. I mean, there's a, there's a biography, an autobiography in the making here. This is a player that's got so much that's happened in her life, so much to say, this frankness that we're talking about. I mean, they're going to be queuing up to do an autobiography, aren't they? Yeah, but I, I think that there's still a lot more of it to be written, isn't there? That's the. It, it's one of those things where you need to capture how somebody feels about things as it happens, but you need them to have lived a lot of their life so it, you get the full story. It's a difficult balance. I'd happily record it and then she can come back for it later. (laughs) Okay, well, let's move on to the next WSL fixture we're going to cover. And now the race for Europe. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. At the other end of the table, Arsenal maintain their bid for Champions League football next season with a 2-0 win over Brighton. Jordan Nobbs scored both goals for the Gunners, who kept their seventh consecutive clean sheet. Wow. Uh, They haven't conceded since losing at Chelsea on the 10th of February. Given here that Arsenal were following that really impressive performance from Manchester United... Uh, what did you make of this performance? It, it's it's Arsenal of old almost. It, they're back in their flow. It's it's a tale of sort of two wobbles, isn't it? You know, Arsenal had a, a kind of brief wobble and Man United had a, a four or five game wobble and it, the whole thing's flipped and Arsenal are back careering in the direction you expect them to, to head in. To be honest though, actually, if Brighton had taken the chance because Emily Simpkins did nick the ball, well, I think it was Williamson made a mistake, if she yeah. scored that and it had been one one, maybe they would have had a little bit more trouble because it's fine margins that Brighton play on, you know, to, to keep it as tight as possible. Some might say boring. To keep it <laughs> as tight as possible. Um but once they got into their flow, they were they were they were comfortable and, and it's the Arsenal that you expect to see. Yeah, it is. And I know what you mean because, you know, Simpkins had an open goal there. So she should have absolutely scored that after that defensive mix up um, from Arsenal. So a a missed opportunity there. But, you know, I don't I don't want to take away from Brighton here in that their defence did well to absorb most of the pressure in the first half. Let's not take away uh, that from them. Jordan Nobbs uh, with both the goals, uh, excellent performance from her. And we should mention the Arsenal defence as well. As Lindsay said, um, it's been quite some time since they conceded and that was against Chelsea. Um, We need to give the plaudits really, don't we, Jen? I mean, certainly Leah Williamson and Lotta Wubin-Moy have made the bulk of the appearances. Anna Patton and Katie McCabe were there for this one, but also, you know, strong contributions from Jen Beattie, Leonie Meyer, Noel Moritz. Um, and I think we've probably undersold that in terms of Arsenal this season, how strong their defence is, particularly when we're analysing so often City's defence and Chelsea's defence. Yeah, well, I mean, Emma Hayes said it the other day that uh, titles are won by defences and by goalkeepers. It's great that you can score goals, but that's what gets you championships. That's what wins you cups is, is having that solid um, base structure behind it and the confidence that gives the rest of the team and and they're they're, they're back on form and it's sort of sad really if we're considering that Joe Montemurro is going because they're such a wonderful team to watch when they're in their flow and that counter-attacking goal was them in their flow yeah it's good it was great wasn't it typical Jordan Nobbs as well they're picking up from deep that counter-attacking goal, though, there were observations to be made from a Brighton point of view with that. I know that we'll be crediting Brighton here because they only let two goals in. 
But, I mean, at both of those goals, they were at fault. I mean, Megan Walsh should have definitely saved that first goal. She got a hand to it and it still slipped under, but she should have been a bit stronger in in that first save. And then this second counter-attacking move that we're talking about, I'm going to bring in Spurs in a second as well, because I think there's some similarities between Spurs and Brighton here at the minute. Brighton seemed like they were always chasing the move there. They were always behind the action. They were never there was never one of them in that defense that thought I'm going to preempt positionally where I think Nobs might men- end up to tap this in. They were just following the ball and Jen from a from a spectator's point of view you're sort of screaming because you're thinking well is this because they're they're trying too hard to do man to man and Arsenal are too good you can't do that? I felt at times, and I felt like it when I was watching Spurs with Man United as well, is that they don't really know whether they're man-to-man or zonal. They look like they're a mix in the middle and they don't really know what to do sometimes at stages. Well, again, only sort of seeing snippets of the Arsenal-Brighton game, that, that counter-attacking goal, the players were out of position. So Tory Williams, who should be shoring up that defence, is part of the the move that loses the ball. And Van der Donk, quick as a flash, rather than playing centrally to knobs, which slows the attack slightly and allows Williams and players like that to get back, plays it forward. You always got to look for the forward ball first and she plays that incisive ball to Mead and streaks down the wing. You've got Mead and knobs legging it into the box to offer support and it's two simple passes and a tapping and it's the simplicity and speed at which that lack of positional play or, or just losing discipline and being out of position and losing the ball is absolutely punished in brutal fashion so it, it will feel quite hard on you know Hope Powell will be looking at this and going over the match footage and what she'll be saying to her team I imagine is that both of these goals we were still at fault for so this could have been a draw yeah but she was pleased with the performance because she can ask her team to set out and do things you have a game plan and in the main they actually did that and you're right they're, they're kind of two errors yeah, yeah and, and and actually Arsenal could have scored more if Brighton had had actually let them, but they weren't able to. So I think, you know, it is a bit a, a bit harsh on Brighton to say that they didn't step up in this one. They actually absorbed a lot of the Arsenal pressure. I didn't I didn't say that they didn't step up. I didn't say they didn't step up. I'm just saying that when it comes down to it and we are at the top echelons of the game now in women's football we're saying and we're selling around the world that D- WSL is the top league and I'm saying that when it comes down to it, the two goals they conceded were avoidable and that positionally they were they were out of kilt and that they can't do it for 90 minutes. That, that's, that's what I think. I think there's just these few lapses in concentration. I think overall they did really well, but I'm not going to pat them on the back for a 2-0 defeat. Well, no, but then you have to make it relative, don't you, between the people in the side so maybe you do have to stand maybe that's maybe that's partially the fault of us having watched the WSL for so long and just being grateful for some good teams but I mean you can't you do have to put it in context as well Lindsay with the personnel there oh yeah if we're putting it in context of of the WSL then we saw a game last week which was one of the best football matches we've seen at that level and yet the goals were arguably shambolic from a defensive point of view, the Mm. Manchester City-Chelsea game. You look at the calibre of those teams and the football on show and then you look at the goals and go, oh, should have stopped that, (laughs) should have stopped that. That's a mistake, that's a mistake. So I think you've been a bit harsh. Okay, and we've got got time on our hands. We can get the game to those sorts of levels. I guess I'm just, I'm wanting to do this show and not always be giving credit to the teams that have lost all the time. You're right to. Yeah, and I can sense your impatience too as well, Linz, which is which is actually no bad thing, let's be honest. And I'm not gonna just stop it I'm not gonna stop at Brighton. Spurs are next. No, I know you're gonna you're gonna tear one out of Tottenham next, aren't you? 
All right, well, let's focus on the side pushing Arsenal all the way. Manchester United, as we mentioned, they come up against Tottenham. 4-1 winners. Ella Toon scored twice as United brushed aside Spurs at Lee Sport Village. Kristen Press and Jess Sigsworth also got on the score sheet for United, who are pushing hard, of course, for that third Champions League place. Alana Kennedy scored a late consolation for Spurs with a brilliant free kick that deflected past Mary Earps. And that was their only shot on target. Um, who wants to start with this one, um, Linz? Do you, do, you, do you want to go full pelt on Spurs or should we have a look at the performance from Manchester United, which was excellent? Kristen Press particularly one to pick out here. Yeah, and I think we'll start with the winning team, won't we? Because um, Casey Stoney was heralding this as, as Press's best performance in a United shirt. And it, it only makes sense to ask Jen if she agrees with that. Yeah, I, I thought her demeanour and her body language even before kickoff sort of hinted at a player that was happy and match fit and looking yeah, forward to the, the game. She was almost sort of posing a bit, not not in a bad way, but she did yeah. look, yeah, sort of... She's got she's got it back, you know, she's yes. got that mojo back. and She's got and, that swag just, back. Yes, exactly. And, and we've been, sadly, we've not seen much of it for, you know, the, the player that she is. We haven't quite seen enough of that so far. Um, her movement was outstanding. Um, she was pulling spurs all over the shop. A touch, her ex- uh, vision, both excellent, and she got a goal as well. So, but then Ella Toon, Kirsty Hansen, also excellent. And yeah. as Casey Stoney said, as a team performance, she was really, really pleased with everybody. Um, interesting on position for Kristen Press as well, um, Linz. She was she was given plenty of freedom. She was in that number nine position. She was able to drop deep, as Jen said. She was pulling Spurs defenders all over the place. So um, I think in terms of positionally, Casey Stoney got that right when she worked out how to use Kristen Press to her full effect. And it was the perfect game to shine for her because she was given all the space in the world. The <laughs> header was fantastic. Um, and I don't want to take anything away because I thought her movement off the ball, I think what she did without the ball actually was equally as good in this match as what she did with it. Um, and I think that's where Kristin Press really impressed. But let's bring in Spurs. Let, let's talk about this dreadful defending from them. And and my question to you, Jen, is when, when players like Manchester United in this game are given so much time and space over and over again, you know the threat that Ella Toon has, you know who the, the great forward players are. And and I don't think I saw many moments where they actually had a handle on that at all. Is that them paying too much respect to Manchester United? Is that where space comes from, that they're going into that game going, they're better than us? Well, I just think that they were just chasing the game from the start and the, the movement was was one of the main reasons. It's not just, I mean, press, like we've said, was outstanding, but it's the players then that exploit the space that she's made for them. So Toon mm. advancing into forward positions or, or heading out wide. Hansen. Hansen was an outlet every time. Yeah, yep, she was excellent. Exactly. And Ashley Neville wasn't quite at the races. I mean, she's she had a, a, a long time out and she's not quite back at the level you would expect of her. And she did get done a few times on the, particularly on the left-hand side. It was a struggle for them from the outset and, it was a great goal at the end, though, from Alana Kennedy. Oh, I loved it. Deflected. Give her it. Go on, It give was her an it. amazing free kick, but it did have a deflection. <laughs> I think she deserves it. She can it. have she does it. Deserve it. So, uh, I mean, Spurs haven't won in ages, have they? I'm just, I'm just looking it up now. Um, so there so they, basically must be inherently a confidence issue there as well. It's, it's just not been clicking at all, has it, Jen? I think that you need to give Rianne Skinner a, a, a summer to bring in a few extra players. I do think that they are a bit lightweight as a squad. That's, I guess that's sort of inevitable, though, with a, a, a side that doesn't quite have the, the heavyweight backing. 
that Manchester United does and, and how embedded Casey is in the game and her scouting. They, they made a decision, Man United, over the summer to, to break out from just taking UK-based players, bought the licence to bring in um, outside players. So that... There, there is there is recruitment to be done for Spurs. I think there's there's no denying that at all. But she has she has helped turn them around slightly, Rianne. So it's it's not all depressing. They just weren't at the races and they played a better team. One more WSL game from the weekend to bring you up to speed on, and that one includes West Ham. West Ham were held to a goalless draw by Everton in East London, a result which means the Hammers still have work to do if they're to beat the drop. Scotland international Martha Thomas came closest to breaking the deadlock for the home side, hitting the bar with a header in the second half. West Ham are ninth, two points off the bottom with Manchester City and Arsenal still to play. Um, I mean, West Ham have had a tough old time of it, Jen. This will be a welcome draw for them, though, and does does keep them in the mix still to remain safe. Yes, it does. They're a curious beast, aren't they, West yeah. Ham? And they have been all season when we sort of felt that they were getting hard done by, luck wasn't going their way. I still feel like their style of football is often sort of better suited to a team higher up the table. I think they should have acknowledged they were in a proper scrap a bit sooner. It's it's almost like they're still trying to play it nicely mm. when when it's all about getting points now. And they did. Mm. They had chances against Everton again. I mean, Everton had chances. It was quite a, an entertaining nil-nil. But they need points. Yeah, is that sort of perhaps um, you know playing it too slickly and not kind of recognising enough for the battle? Is that is that down to some of their personnel? They've got some really you know strong players there, classy players. When I look at someone like Kenza Dali, um, or does that does that does that come from the manager? Does Ollie Harder need to attune himself better to their position? I think it's a bit of both. I think Ollie Harder said after the Villa game, which I mentioned earlier, was an absolute scrap. Uh, and Villa knew that if they if they disrupted West Ham, it would just totally affect their rhythm, and they just couldn't play their game properly. Um, it, it has to. That's probably a bit of both, players and and manager. Are they invested in the long term at West Ham? The players. Uh, it's a question. Yeah, it is a question. A second successive goalless draw for them. So that also two clean sheets to build from. And yes. that, that extra point, I, I do think it edges them, doesn't it, towards safety now? Yeah, it's just incrementally, just one point at a time. Even Carla Ward just said the other day, just one point. You know, I know, that's it's painful though. Each time, yeah, God. <laughs> the fans of those teams, oh my God. <laughs> Well, we'll leave West Ham there for now. Um, we'll look at their fixture for this weekend in just a moment. The top two, though, first. Chelsea and Man City didn't play in the league this weekend. That's because Chelsea were in semi-final action in the Champions League. That sounds nice, doesn't it? Details next. WSL leaders Chelsea then involved in Champions League action this weekend. They lost their semi-final first leg at Bayern Munich 2-1. Melanie Leopold scored Chelsea's away goal against her former club after Sydney Lohmann had given the German side an early lead. Hannah Glass put Bayern back in front with a great strike from the edge of the area. That set things up nicely for the return leg at Kings Meadow on Sunday. Important to note as well in the other semi-final, it's all square between PSG and Barcelona heading into their weekend return fixture. It's one all after that first semi. Uh, back to this one, half time in it, Jen. You'd say the away goal, very, very important. Performance-wise, encouraging? Yeah, well, they did actually create quite a few chances, particularly in the second half, Chelsea, which I, I think if you look back on them, you think, well, if they go in, it's just quite a, a decent win. But they didn't 
net them. And and then you've got Bayern who kind of game managed it really well. And then the peculiar thing to me was how much they celebrated at the end. It it really rankled me. If you have you watched the um, there's a twenty minute film which the Irish FA have put out of Northern Ireland qualifying for Euro 2022. And after their win in Ukraine, the bench and the players celebrate. And Kenny Shields, the manager, turns around and he shouts, no, no celebrating, because he knew it was half time. Now, this is exactly, I'm getting this feeling from Bayern Munich going ape about this result. Second leg, Chelsea won't have played Man City three days before. They won't have that mental fatigue. And they'll also have a little bit more understanding of the, the tactics required and, and I'm sure they'll absolutely nail it. Here's my thing on this, both of you. Before the game, the Bayern manager had said that his team would have to play at their limits, at their best, to overcome Chelsea. And we've seen that now, haven't we? Emma Hayes and her team have have seen that, seen Bayern at their limits. And so now they know, you've hinted to this as well, Jen, now they know what they need to do. So I think the upper hand, although they are... Um, 2-1 down still as well as the away goal being a a positive the upper hand is with Chelsea because now they know what they need to do and we know that Emma Hayes excels with adjusting her team tinkering with tactics to get what she needs out of the game one thing that worried me though Lindsay Jen was Chelsea's defence just it just didn't really look very cohesive in this one they looked rattled by Bayern and that may just be because Bayern came too strongly straight out of the blocks but I wasn't 100% about Chelsea's defence in this one. I felt it was a continuation of the second half against Manchester yes. City as well when they were Agreed. on the back foot. They've got a week to prepare now. Remember the City game that they had Ingle have to come in and play centre-back and then you get Jess Carter who, remember, we're saying as if she's sort of this young unknown. 2017 PFA Young Player of the Year and multiple awards at Birmingham City. She made her debut in the Champions League against Arsenal in the quarter-final win for, for Birmingham City. So she's got experience at that level, but she had to step up as well. I think with a week to prepare, I think those worries that you have will be ironed out. There were some great glass-related puns, by the way, in the reporting of this. Uh, Hannah Glass being the scorer. Um, Susie Rack of The Guardian said, Chelsea hit the glass ceiling after Swedish defender Hannah Glass provided the assist. Uh, so some, yeah, all up all up for the glass-associated puns. Well, there's a new date. Chelsea face Spurs on the 5th of May. They're at home to Reading on the final day of the season in the title race. At City, they face Birmingham at home on Sunday. Then they've got West Ham away on on the final day and we'll turn our attention back to the title race now and the informed Man City defender Demi Stokes as she was speaking to me earlier. Demi, thanks for joining us on the Offside Rule. Uh, great to speak to you, especially the week after the big match. Um, I wanted to know, first of all, from that 2-2 draw with Chelsea, were there many nerves going into that one? No, I, th- I think everyone was like aware, you know, in season, you obviously take each game as it comes, but yeah, I think everyone was actually quite quite relaxed and actually knew, obviously, what we had to do and what it is we wanted to do. Obviously, we were disappointed with the two two, but I just think, you know, we we couldn't have done any more. And I think, like the save, you know, it was it was a, a brilliant save from uh, you know Lauren Hemp's header. So no one could have give any more than what they did. No, you left everything out there on the pitch. And then you've just had a weekend where you weren't in action. So was it a weekend off? 
yeah, I think it was needed. I think obviously our seasons can be long and, you know, you're on the road all the time. So I think it obviously it was it was needed and, you know, people got to do, I guess, what they wanted to do, whether that was see family and, and switch off. So obviously we had it because of obviously Champions League. So, you know, you, it, it's a bit bittersweet because, you know, we're not in that anymore. So I, th- I think, yeah, but obviously you just got to live in the moment you're in and, I think people enjoyed their, their weekend off, so that was nice. And you've got to move on from that last result because you are still in this title race. It isn't mathematically done by any stretch. So there's a couple of big matches on the horizon for you. One of the takeaways, I, I wondered about Alex Greenwood. Um, she'd moved position in the match against Chelsea and gone central because obviously you're without your captain, Steph Horton. Do you all train in different positions? Have you trained in different positions just in case for times like that? Obviously, every everyone can play more than one position. So I think not everyone necessarily does train in a different position. But, you know, people are good enough to, you know, slot. And I think George Stanway has been a really good prime example of that. She's played right back. She can play forward. She's been midfield. So, yeah, it's not necessarily practising in, in that position. You know, injuries happen and things just, you know, come up, you know, right away. So... Yeah, I, th- I think people are good enough to slot in and, you know, do a job and do a job for the team. And But yeah, I, th- I think, yeah, Georgia Stanwood has been a really good example of that, I think, this season. You are the one team in the league as well that had the new manager from the beginning with Gareth Taylor after Nick Cushing, who'd had such a long stint at the club, had left. And also new personnel coming, whether it's back into the team like Lucy Bronze or new signings altogether. Are you the one team at the minute that wished this season was going on longer because of the form that you hit towards the back end? Yeah, I, th- I think obviously, you know, we needed new players and I, I guess almost like a, a fresh start. And I think it's been good for us. But yeah, I think obviously can't fault the form that obviously we've been in. And yeah, so probably we do, we could have done with the season to be a bit longer, but yeah, I, th- I think everyone's like embraced change and new players coming in and the challenge of new players coming in because, you know, you might not play every weekend because everyone is good enough. So I think everyone's done well and everyone's played their part. And, you know, when when many had written City off, I think at one point in the season, had, had that fed through to the team and, and were you playing with a bit of grit? Do you know, it's quite funny because, yeah, I I don't keep up to date with, you know, what's been said and whatnot. I don't really go on Twitter and whatnot. But I think, you know, stuff like that, you almost, the season hadn't even started and things were being said. And I I think you've just got to almost let people do and say what, I guess, what they want to say and, you know, focus on each game as as it comes and not get too far ahead. And I think, that's what we we have always tried to do, and I think we you know we have I think is eleven games unbeaten. So I think and that's credit to us as a team. We've you just say right next game we've ticked that off right next game we've ticked that off and just control obviously what we can control. And you've signed a contract till twenty twenty three. You must be pretty confident about the future there and how everything's forming and coming together. Yeah, of course. I, I love being at City and it was um, a no-brainer for me. Um, I think as well, the calibre of players that have come back and the players that we've signed are the type of players I want to be around and improve and, you know, help push each other to to be the best. And, you know, whether that's 
to help you push on with your club and, and country. That's the type of players I want to be around. You talk about country. Um, there is Team GB for the Tokyo Olympics. Is that on your agenda? Yeah, of course. I think obviously for um, any, any player, you know, you, you strive to reach the highest level and, you know, obviously grateful that we are given that opportunity given, you know, what's gone on the last year. And, you know, so, yeah, I think it's for me just obviously staying fit and healthy and um, I guess just giving myself the best opportunity to, you know, be in contention to to get selected. I imagine as well, finishing the season on a high, even when it comes down to individual performances, if you're going to go into a tournament or a, sort of an Olympic tournament like that, you want to be ending on a peak. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. But as well, I think it's obviously the, the GB team, again, whoever goes, it's going to be probably, you know, very different team from the England team. So I think as well, it's not about, you know, peaking too early. Obviously, you've got to get your, your training right and so that you can get that rest, but also you can push on to be ready and, you know, not not tired going to, into a tournament. So, yeah, I, I think it's important, but it's just about getting the balance right of, you know, your train, your rest ratio and just getting yourself ready. You mentioned that you're not on social media or you certainly don't check it out very often, but there is this social media blackout that's happening this weekend, Football United in that. How powerful do you think that can be? Yeah, I think it's the the start and I think it's it, it's good. You know, it's a step forward, but I think we, again, we have to just keep the ball rolling to keep pushing things because I think I know we had the blackout Tuesday um, and I think it is good, but... I think it's it's something very easy that everyone can do, but it's about how do you then actively do your part after that. And have you talked about it as a squad? Do you talk about the the sorts of things that have been happening in terms of racial abuse and hatred online? Because there's been so much talk of that, I think, in, in recent months. Yeah, I think like to be fair, I had a conversation with um, a couple of teammates and it was <laughs> It's just sad. Like, I, I just remember, like, we had the conversation this morning and it was just like, it's happened again. It's happened again. Yeah, it's just, it's just not good enough. And I think, you know, people are, are trying things, you know, we are trying to do better. But I, I think still, you know, there is a long way to go and it's evident, like, because we're still having the conversation from, I think, maybe last the last lockdown, which was last year, like, we're a year on and we're still you know, having having the same conversation and, and the same issues. But yeah, I, I think we, you know, we all have a part to play whether you experienced it or not. And we really hope that things can change. Um, looking ahead to your next match, Demi, Birmingham City. Now you've got Ellen White in your team and you to play for Birmingham, but it's a very different side to the one that she played in. <laughs> what are Birmingham City like nowadays? To be honest, I think I was injured the last time uh, we played them, but We've we've got a job to do, and and like you said, football is crazy and things can happen. So I think it's just important that you know we go into it focusing on us, and you know because I do think Birmingham will want to finish on a high too and get points where they can. So it'll be a hard game, but I think most time we just focus on ourselves, and I think if we keep doing you know what we're doing and um, having good performances, that we'll uh, get the win. Finally, what are the hopes for this season then and looking forward? Um, I think, obviously, it's, you know, we've just got to do what we can do. But obviously, we would 
we want the league, we want to win the league. I think we've got FA Cup as well. So, you know, we've still got things and jobs to do and things to focus on. So, yeah, I've not I've not so much reflected on the season per se because it's not over. But yeah, it, it's again, it's, you know, taking them small gains or small margins and taking just each each game. And obviously we want three, three wins out of three. So, yeah. Good luck for the next one against Birmingham. Thank you for joining us. No problem. Thank you for your time. Well, as Lindsay mentioned there with Demi, this weekend's fixtures go ahead without any social media around the matches. WSL and championship clubs are part of the wider social media boycott by football's governing bodies and several leagues as well this weekend. Uh, That's in response to the ongoing and sustained discriminatory abuse received online. It lasts from 3pm on Friday and goes all the way through to Monday. It was good to hear Demi talk about that, Jen. Um, She said it was needed. It's been too long coming. But I think she remains a little bit sceptical about how much impact it might have. Yeah, and it does feel sort of a little bit too late, too little perhaps. But at least it's a statement and hopefully makes the social media platforms um, sit up and take notice that they need to do more to prevent the facilitation of this kind of discriminatory behaviour. There'll actually be a financial cost to this as well, Jen, because for the first time, social media companies are going to have data on what happens if no one is on your platform. So um, although I agree it should have been done ages ago, this gives us the first bit of tangible evidence or gives social media companies the first bit of tangible evidence, um, financial evidence, which, of course, is probably the most important thing to them. I hate to say it, but it's true. Um, And hopefully from that, something will come forward. I question whether it would have happened if uh, there were men's teams and Champions League semi-finals, but that's the only blot, really. A bit more Manchester City news for you, and that's that defender Gemma Bonner has left the club to join American side racing Louisville on a two-year deal. Good luck to her. She was, by the way, the youngest ever WSL winning captain during her time at Liverpool and a very fine player too. A big miss she will be too. Back to matters on the pitch and a look ahead to the WSL fixtures this coming weekend. We've mentioned quite a few of them, but it's worth reiterating, isn't it? So a couple of fixtures on Wednesday night. Birmingham host Aston Villa, a derby, a six-pointer. So much that you can attach to that one, as we've already discussed. Lots to play for in the other fixture as well. Arsenal can't slip up if they're to seal that Champions League place. They play West Ham, who, of course, need the points to avoid the drop. On Sunday as well, we've got so many fixtures to get through. Villa against West Ham, that will be really big at the bottom of the table. Everton hosting Arsenal, Bristol City host Manchester United, Reading women take on Brighton and Hove Albion and Manchester City women take on Birmingham City. Uh, Villa against West Ham, by the way, that one is at Villa Park, which is good to see, Jen. Yeah, definitely. And a massive game as well. I'm I'm looking forward to that, I think, out of all of them. Um, We did mention earlier on that it's award season. Things are starting to be mentioned. Um, We've got Birmingham City in action. They're they're going to be taking on Manchester City um, away at the weekend, which I think is going to be a big ask for them to get anything out of it. You mentioned before Emma Sanders' BBC post where she was saying about Birmingham only having these 11 players in training uh, the day before the derby with Villa. You just understand the monumental task that Carla Ward's been juggling with personnel this season Um, so no wonder that she's been nominated for the WSL coach of the year would she get your vote Jen and what was your overall takeaway from the nominees it's difficult I think if Emma gets the quadruple then you can't deny that that's an amazing achievement Um, Carla absolutely yes we interviewed her in the last issue and just what she's achieved is, is phenomenal despite all of the 
the obstacles put in her way. Um, I, I think that Hope Powell was unlucky not to get a nod. I think Brighton have had an incredible season. It's just that there's all of the stories are above and below them, so we kind of forget what they've managed to do. Very true. Well, we'll round things up on the show there for now. Um, what are you working on next, Jen? Tell us what your plans are for the next few weeks, apart from avidly watching all these uh, all all these different factors play out in the WSL. Uh, issue 67 of She Kicks will be out after the end of the season, but I'm part of the panel for the Flood Floodlit Dreams book, anthology of women's football writing, so helping the collaboration with women in football to choose 10 of the submitted chapters tomorrow so that's exciting because they're really inspiring some of them and and a really great read fantastic we look forward to finding out more about that um quick plug for our website too whilst we're talking about writing uh as ever we get uh, the five things we learned from the wsl from jesse parker humphreys we've also got a piece up there actually karen carney spoke to jesse um ahead of the Bayern munich chelsea game and some interesting thoughts from her on chelsea being mentality monsters so, so some good quotes in there uh, from karen carney there's also a piece on leon star saki kumagai as well uh, and her career and a reminder as well that we will also be joining in with the social media blackout at the Offside Rules social media accounts. So if you follow us on Instagram or Twitter or Facebook, um, it will be quiet there to just go alongside everyone in football this weekend that's making this stance, and especially to these social media companies, to try and get more done for hatred online. Um, we've been wanting something done for some time, so hopefully it will force some change. Uh, we'll be back again next week uh, with the big drum roll as we reach towards the end of this WSL season. Jen, thank you so much to you and we'll see you next week. You've been listening to the Offside Rule WSL edition, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Keep up to date with everything Offside Rule at offsiderulepodcast.com and by following at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter and Insta. Check out all of the Athletic's football podcasts on Apple, Spotify and all the usual places or listen ad-free on the Athletic app. The Offside Rule WSL edition is a Muddy Knees Media production. The Athletic.